Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show. joining us again today and we're known for occasionally making goofs and gaffs which once in a while you get to hear at the very end of our episodes but goofs and gaffs are kind of well they're kind of the nature of live theater itself and that's what we're here to talk about today Par for the course yes i mean one of the great things and sometimes depending on what side of the stage you're on the miserable things <laughs> Are that mistakes get made? I don't. That didn't make much sense. Which side of the stage is that? Yeah, I don't, stage left or stage right. I guess I mean whether you're in the audience or on stage, they can be pretty miserable. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were talking about some example of which way somebody was throwing something yeah, at I you. Don't or, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but then again, I never know what I'm talking about. Fair and enough. It doesn't seem to stop us. As we said before, we're not really experts on this matter. We're just sharing stories and experiences. Yes. And uh, we're going to kind of talk to you uh, in the next couple of episodes about the foibles of live theater. Yeah. The fact of the matter is you don't get a do-over if when no. you're doing a performance in front of a live audience. That's, yeah. that's the whole point of rehearsing it so many times to try to nail everything down as as well as possible, but it, you know what? It's never good enough. No, you can you can minimize the mistakes, but uh, pretty much inevitably there's going to be something during a run that, that, that'll happen. Sometimes it's something big. Most of the times it's something small, or at least that's what you hope for. And 90% of the time, I'm sure it's probably something that 90% of the audience is not going to notice. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless you have an audience that happens to have the script memorized, which is pretty rare... Uh, they're not going to notice if somebody goes off on their lines as long as you're prepared for something like that to happen. Uh, if you're not prepared for it, that's when things can go really off the rails. Now, I don't know what your experience has been, but just watching a show, perhaps it's because we're pretty experienced in the theater, collectively speaking, but mm -hmm. it's very likely that mistakes are more glaringly obvious to us. Yeah, I, I think once you have experience uh, on stage experience backstage i think you're more likely to notice when something goes wrong you just get there's just some kind of feeling in the air almost where yeah you're it like, could just be a subtle delay in timing that mm -hmm. wasn't quite right or didn't look like it went as planned or a, a look a of panic on an actor's face yeah, a hesitation maybe and spitting out a line director screaming from the back of the house you know stuff like that <laughs> you ever done that before <laughs> i guess the worst that i've done as a director was um i think it was during was it frankenstein or dracula i forget which one it was there was some scene change that went awry i think it was frankenstein and i actually went from the back of the house and i ran around back to to uh complain to the stage manager i'm very ashamed that i did that because this was a stage manager that had a lot to handle and she did a fantastic job with it and i guess you know this was from the time that i was still really uptight and still really starting off on this now I'm slightly less uptight, at least, I hope. That was only, what, your third or fourth show, wasn't it? Um, I think fourth or fifth. Dracula was my third, I think. So if this was Frankenstein, it probably would have been at least fifth. Okay. That was the, the, the second one I had done at the barn. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember if I had started my, my uh, Barley Sheaf streak by then. I, I might uh, It might have been after True West. So there might have been only True West between... Dracula and Frankenstein. So yeah, I think it was still pretty early on. Mm. 
but it's really only the last two or three shows that I've learned to ease up. But yeah, that's the closest I've come. I certainly haven't yelled at anybody from the back of the house. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be bad. <laughs> How about yourself? I can't really say I've blown up at anybody back, mm. uh, from backstage during a show, but if there's a crisis and I need to step in to help handle it, I will. Right. That's usually why I'm in the green room backstage anyway, so that I could do that just in case. Help now, in case anything goes wrong. Yeah. It's never come to a situation of me having to suddenly step out and cover for somebody in the <laughs> middle of a show, fortunately. <laughs> well, you'd have to be in costume for that. Yeah, right. Or Please stand no up. lines or things like that. Yeah. But just helping, uh, say, uh, if a set piece or something went astray or mm-hmm. awry or wasn't set correctly, I'll yeah if i need to i think i've done that like intermission i've gone up on stage and kind of fixed some stuff that that fell apart or wasn't working properly or wasn't set properly or um, and that wasn't set. like uh i'm trying to think i I think there was one show where we had like this little curtain on a side window by the front door and the curtain had fallen down and it was important that it be pulled aside so i went and took care of that like minor things like that we had a lot like a light bulb a practical light bulb on stage blue so i replaced the light bulb but you're only talking about doing things in between scenes not stepping yes. out in the middle of a scene no 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 i have been involved with shows where actors for some reason were not able to make every performance and i have seen directors step in for that i had to do that did you i did I, i've never had to do that i don't know that i could were you on book or off book no i i had enough okay so this was true west mm-hmm the guy playing Saul in our production of True West found uh, got a new job probably about three weeks before we were supposed to open, mm-hmm. and he had to uh, go on a business trip during one of the weeks between weekends, Okay, and he wasn't going to make it back for the second Friday. So fortunately, I had enough time, and it was, you know, Saul's only hey, in a couple a scenes. Part, right? It's a smaller role, so I had enough, had enough time to prepare. I did a... Uh, I did a gym through rehearsal. <laughs> gym through, nice. <laughs> uh, with uh, the guys playing Austin and Lee one night. Mm-hmm. I guess it was probably a couple nights before I was supposed to uh, perform. I only had one performance, but uh, that was helpful. I was able to, you know, just do it on stage. But I got off book, and I stepped in and did it. Nice. That's the only time I did anything like that, though, as a director. Yeah, I would never want to do that. Usually, when I direct, I, I'm so focused on that task that to then flip it around and get on stage, I, I, I feel like. For me, that would just be too much panic, <laughs> too much anxiety around to having to do something like that. It's not easy. So in terms of preparing for the eventual audience and getting in the live performances, what would you as a director try to do? I think a lot of it just depends on the type of show that you're dealing with, uh, comedy, drama, that kind of thing. Comedies are probably some of the hardest because, well, actually, I don't even know that they're hard, but... You know with a comedy that you're expecting laughter, but what you don't know is where that laughter is going to come. And if your actors are thinking, okay, my laugh line is this, so I'm going to deliver this line and wait for the laugh. You can't do that ahead of time. You have to deliver it. You have to stay in the moment and in the character, and you can't play for the laughs because that's never funny to play for the laughs. Right. Now, as a director, if I'm watching rehearsal, particularly for comedies, Mm -hmm. Whether I do this consciously or not, I'm probably a little bit more boisterous in my in the loudness of my own laughter watching the rehearsal. Right. So whether or not that helps the cast to anticipate what the re- yeah, where the reactions are going to be from the audience right. uh, to prepare for that, maybe it does a little bit, I don't know, but yeah. I maybe try to give some indication. But I try to do it genuinely in terms of I'm not just laughing for the sake of right, being right. a canned laugh track. Yeah. 
I'm laughing because I think something is genuinely funny. Yeah, you're that just I'm kind seeing. of doing it maybe louder than you naturally would. Right. Yeah, like I, I won't hold back as much with it, perhaps. Yeah. See, that's that's where I fall short directing comedies. I'm just not good at forcing laughter. I mean, not that you're forcing it. I'm not good at laughing boisterously. Letting it happen. Yeah, I'm not good at letting it happen. I I, I, I laugh on the inside. <laughs> I mean, generally, I'm not a big laugher. Uh, something really has to strike me for me to laugh out loud. I'm. It's not that I don't find things funny. It's that I'm just not a. I'm not a laugher. Right. I think I have used to be more of a laugher than than I am nowadays. Mm-hmm. I'll if I'm in an audience watching a show, I'll probably be more reserved about it unless something's. Two things, maybe, unless something is really striking me as very funny or mm-hmm. occasionally because of just laughter being infectious from other people in the yes. audience. Yeah, it is. And that's why, uh, you know, if I'm directing a comedy, I like to have people on my crew, I guess, that are better laughers than I am. Mm. I know my my usual producer at Barley Chief is a really good laugher and she's a good applauder, too. Because I have noticed sometimes like ends of scenes, you never know whether or not those are going to get applause. But if you have somebody that starts applauding at the end of a scene, usually the rest of the audience will kind of catch yeah. on. So she's a good starter for that. <laughs> so other than comedies, when you're dealing with dramas, that can be almost more difficult to prepare your cast for. Because there's so much, you know, the actors want some kind of reaction and they're I don't know if they're expecting oohs or ahs or laughs on the occasional laugh lines in a drama, but a lot of times the audience is just paying such close attention. And uh, that particularly goes, I direct a lot of uh, thrillers, and the thrillers tend to have people really trying to figure out what's going on. Right, they're... But they're paying attention. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it is. In it. They're just and, not and it's, audibly it's, reacting to it. Exactly, and it's thriller comedies that that tend to be my wheelhouse mostly. So that makes it even harder because they're wondering why people aren't laughing, and it's not that they're not finding things funny. It's that they're paying attention. They're trying to figure out what else is going on in addition to the comedy because there's so many layers to shows like that. Yeah, but even with comedies, it's not necessarily as you said. You know, maybe. People are finding things funny, but not loudly reacting to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it's it's going to be different with every audience. So that's just impossible that's to prepare the other for thing. as far as exactly how a particular audience is going to react. And it really may not have any bearing on, oh, they just don't think the show's that funny. Right. It, it, there are certain audiences. I, I know some people say, well, Friday audiences are the best because they've gone to work and they're all prepared to laugh. Or other right. They're ready like, to unwind and let right. loose on the weekend. Or and, other people are saying, well, Saturday night audiences are the best because they've already gone out and had a few drinks and then they come to the show. But, or I've heard the counter argument for Saturdays yeah. that this is their big night out. Mm-hmm. This is I've their main event too. for the night. So they expect a lot. Yeah. And, and people say, well, Sunday matinees, it's the middle of the day. People aren't really prepared for it. I don't know in reality if there's any particular way to gauge an audience just by the day of the week that it is. I, no, every audience is different. Not. Yeah. Sometimes you have good Fridays. Sometimes you have bad ones. Sometimes I've, you have I've good been Saturdays. at very boisterous matinee crowds or mm-hmm. seen observe very boisterous matinee crowds yeah you just never know what you're gonna get and and also as you said every time mimosas first right Uh, as you've said every audience is different so you're gonna get laughs in one place on one night and a different place on another night so you kind of have to prepare your actors for that and just you need to have that comedic timing where you're ready to hold for a laugh at any point going back to the dramas though that's a kind of a flip side of the coin really because mm. as an actor doing a drama you're, you're probably not anticipating a lot of audience reaction and when you get it maybe it's even more unexpected yeah that that can be a thing too where you you have to be prepared for well it's pretty much you have to be prepared for the unpreparable yeah 
But on the one hand, it's doing comedy. It could be a more matter of you're expecting it and not getting it, where it's the opposite on a drama. Mm-hmm. Or in a comedy, you're maybe not having it happen at the time you expect it to happen. Yeah, I mean, every as we keep saying, every audience is different, and you never know where the reactions are going to be or what the reactions are going to be. Has it been your experience with comedies that, say, run seven or eight performances where, you know, maybe by show four or five, all of a sudden somebody's laughing at a joke that nobody's ever reacted to before? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, there's usually something where... It, you know, I, I'm saying I'm not a very good laugher, but there's usually some obscure joke that I find funny and I've been laughing at every single rehearsal that doesn't get a laugh until like, you know, closing night, suddenly somebody else gets it, <laughs> which is always, I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> but really, no matter how much you prepare your actors, no matter how prepared your show is, the unexpected is going to happen, whether it's from the audience reactions or from something that happens on stage, whether it's an actor mistake or something happens with a prop or who knows, or the set mistakes are going to happen. Now I know if you alluded to this technically, maybe not being allowed by the strict nature of performance rights, but I know a lot of actors want to have some sort of a practice audience Mm -hmm. uh, and some theaters either allow for that or accommodate it in some way, right? kind of as a way to, if it's, nothing more than superstitious on the actor's part or just wanting to have the experience of having uh, other people see it and react to it and maybe getting a better idea of knowing what to expect. So I think... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Where are you going with that? Well, I see the advantage to having that as a way for the actors to prepare. Yeah. Regardless of I, the I mean, it is a way to prepare, it. but I mean... Not it, that I'd ever advocate charging for such things. No. I, well, I mean, if you think about the way professional theaters do it, they will have that that period at the beginning and I'm forgetting what it's called right now. Preview, Previews. workshopping. Thank you. Yeah. They'll do previews of a show and they will charge audience members for that. And like on Broadway, I, I honestly, I don't know whether those ticket prices are lower than when the show actually starts as run, but there's very little difference that I'm aware of, uh, particularly on Broadway between previews and the actual show opening. Okay. So they don't tweak anything. Uh, they they might. I mean, maybe that's what it's for. So they uh, do the previews and it'll be like, okay, well, we're going to change this and this. Uh, but I think for the most part, it's pretty much just performances that, I, I don't know, like don't count the same way. So I, I guess that... Sounds like just a statistics thing. I, it kind of is, yeah. And I think that's that's what you're talking about with uh, the community theater, that, that uh, dress rehearsal, that final night. If you've got an audience in there, that's the case with that. But I mean, is there really any difference between that and an actual opening night other than there's less pressure on the actors and if no there wine is, and cheese yeah but if there is no wine and cheese if there is less pressure on the actors because of that then doesn't opening night still have that same stigma that same difficulty to get past yeah but you've maybe established a middle ground by mm-hmm. at least having uh experience of doing uh, playing in front of the audience yeah Maybe it takes some of the edge off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I can see that. I'd imagine and, and that's like what I've most said, actors would probably tell you. Yeah. And, and as I've said, I, I have done, I have directed where there have been like a handful of people there on, on that final dress. Usually I, I, as I've said, I don't advertise that fact. I don't say, hey, invite people. But if somebody comes to me and goes, hey, uh, my wife can't make the run of the show, but they could be here on, on dress. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to turn them away for that. Yeah, things like that, at least with community theater, I have not witnessed that or observed that to be a problem. Yeah, it's it's all these things. We could probably have a whole episode talking about the legalities and contracts with this because between that 
uh, dress rehearsal with an audience and uh, video recording performances and changing lines and using music and all sorts of things. There, <laughs> there's definitely, yeah, we should we should add that to the episodes because there's definitely a lot to talk about there. But that's not what we're talking about now. All right, so, <laughs> uh, so the show's opened and let's say you got a performance or two under your belt. Now as a director. What ongoing activities might you have to address things that might have happened in earlier shows that maybe need some more direction? Well, it's kind of, as we discussed before, it's difficult to really direct once your show has opened. But, but do you give notes during the run? Well, I, I, what instance. I've done, and I, I think we discussed this either the last episode or the one before, what I've done before is if something drastically changes or if something goes wrong or if the actor tries to change something, I will let them know, hey, go back to the way we were doing it. It was working fine that way. It's hard to to give notes during a run. I know some directors do it, but I feel like if they don't have it down by then, me giving them notes is probably just going to make them more nervous mm. because what mistakes are going to happen that you can really give notes on? Great question. I think maybe there are situations, if I ever have given notes during a run, I might have suggested, okay, if this happens, here's what you could do. Yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah, in I case the actor that. wasn't really sure how to handle it mm-hmm. at the in in the moment, as it were. And what what kinds of things might happen where you would do that? Uh, could be anything as uh, prop doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Say like a gun doesn't go off or okay. something when it's supposed to. Or... In fact, that happened to the last time I directed, <laughs> and I, and I did go okay if the if the gun doesn't fire on the first try, then do this. Yeah. Yeah. I have done that. Scenarios like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That are, you know, maybe not necessarily were within the actor's control at the time. Right. But you want to give them that confidence if something like that does happen right. again. I mean, ideally, if you can anticipate, if you're a director and can anticipate these contingencies before the show opens, that's great. But maybe yeah. you don't think of everything before that happens. You'd think I'd learn by now that prop guns don't always work. <laughs> Here's another question. Have you ever had brush up rehearsals? Mid-run. I have had line rehearsals mid-run. Okay. I have not done like a full staged rehearsal, but uh, on certain shows where if actors have been shaky on their lines, they will get people together and, and read through those lines just to, to try and firm that up a little bit. I can't recall a time that I ever did other than the saw through that I had. Yeah. I'm calling it a saw through now because I think saw that's through. what I referred to it as the t- at the time. <laughs> a saw through. We're having a saw through because that, that was a character's that name. That makes it sound like a saw through. There you go. Yeah. We went that fast. It was like sawing through the script. Yes. Not really, but okay. I'll go with it. Have you ever had the urge to change anything after the opening? Like something that you thought didn't play well. Maybe it was something you directed, but you just didn't like it once it opened. I'm I'm trying to think. I'm sure that's occurred to me, but I don't think I have. Because I've told actors not to change things. So as a director, I don't think I would either. There might have been like one or two minor things where I've been like, oh, you know, just tweak that. Mm -hmm. But... I, I think for the most part, I, I want the actors to have it solid, so I don't want to start changing things up on them and confusing them. I let it go a little bit too out of hand, I think, in the very first show that I was the main director on, Senator mm-hmm. Wore Pantyhose. We had a large cast. Cast had a lot of great ideas, and some of them kind of started popping up during the production, mm-hmm. especially because we happened to be doing this production right before a presidential election, so ah. it was a pretty topical thing. This was in 2008, so... People were throwing in references to Joe the Plumber and right. other things that were, you know, talked about in the news leading up to the election at the time. But I think in hindsight, I probably 
let the actors get a little too carried away with it. Yeah. Just throwing things in. See, that can happen. And there's also just certain actors that I've seen that will just kind of like, they'll find something that gets a laugh and they'll, they'll, they'll try to milk that a mm-hmm. little bit more each performance. And that's when I will bring them in and dial go, them okay, down a little. Yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a risk in that when you, when you do something and you get a reaction, actors are sometimes like toddlers. Uh, and that's myself included, <laughs> that if you give them attention, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> Just remember that if you ever audition for Glenn. Yes. <laughs> you're a toddler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was, uh, in, I'm going to, I'm going to hit up Hound of the Baskervilles again mm-hmm. as sort of a, this was kind of an ancillary thing that we threw in mid-production. It was somebody's idea. It might've been during a benefit show, uh, or matinee. I forget which, I think it was a benefit show to have. Holmes and Watson come out during intermission to do a drawing. Okay. And that just went over really well with the benefit crowd or whichever crowd it was. Yeah. So we kept it for the rest of the run. They would come out during intermission for every show thereafter and do the 50-50 drawing. So that's a little that's a little different. That's not really... It wasn't really in yeah, the show. Yeah, it's not affecting the show any. It kind of added the added to the experience a little sure, bit. Sure, it's a cute idea. I like it. It went, yeah, it went over really well. Audiences enjoyed it. The... Uh, Actors doing Holmes and Watson mm-hmm. had fun with it. Well, really, it's elementary. It was, but they were very good at improving. <laughs> yeah, in their ca- in character. See, I think that's nice. the real trick. If you've got actors that can do that, then that'll work. Yeah, but... and as an actor dealing with live theater on stage, I certainly think that having improvisational skills is very important. Oh, it definitely can be because if you've got somebody that goes up on a line and and doesn't know what to say next, right. if you've got somebody else up there, they can you know either feed them their lines or improvise or around cover it. it. Yeah, I as an actor in the past, I have always found it important to know the plot well enough mm-hmm. so that I'm able to recognize if somebody if a line gets skipped to be able to process in my head that okay, there's a valuable piece of information that hasn't gotten conveyed. And right. if I need to work it in somehow myself, even if it was not a line I skipped or whatever, I'm mindful of that and I will adapt accordingly yeah. if I and, need to. I mean, as an actor, that's that's an extremely valuable skill to have. I don't know that I always have that. I like to think I do, and I know I have covered for people before, and people have covered for me before. We'll discuss that kind of thing a little bit more in the next episode. <laughs> and I think another really important part of being able to do that well, which they constantly tell you during rehearsals or directors should be telling you during rehearsals, is just listening to each other. Yes. I mean, I mean that's, you know, they talk about half of acting is reacting, but it's not only that, but you're reacting to something that somebody's saying and you really do need to listen. You're not just listening for your cue. And I know a lot of actors do that. They'll be like, okay, my cue is, uh, I, I can't think of an example right now. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Okay. So all you're listening for is making me thirsty and you're not listening for them, these pretzels. So if the actor forgets about the pretzels, these oranges are making me hungry. Yeah. And then you'd be like, well, that's sort of my cue. And then you'll, de- they'll deliver their next line without paying any attention. And, and there's something it's in, uh, we were talking about this before, it's in Noises Off, where one of the actresses in that starts delivering her next oh. line no matter what is going on. Right, yeah, in the uh, second and third act, I think it's a character, Brooke, who plays the character of Vicky. Right. She knows all of her own lines perfectly, but she just repeats them by rote, yes. regardless of what the person acting opposite her actually said. Yeah, and, and a lot of actors, well, not a lot of actors, but some actors will actually work that way, where they just memorize their lines in a big list and wait for just the last couple of words of their cue before they come in with it and have no idea what anybody's saying. But yes, I think it's much better if you're actually listening to what the other actors are saying 
there have been times where I've been on stage. This is usually, uh, I think, in rehearsals, not in performances, where I'm listening so intently to the other actors that I don't even hear my cue and I forget that it's my line because I've been listening to what they're saying. <laughs> listening engro- uh, engrossed in yeah. there. I'm like an engrossed in conversation. It, that, that'll happen if like I've got a spot where I'm on stage, but I don't talk for like a page and a half. And I'll be like, wow, that that's what they're talking about. Glenn. Yeah, exactly. Glenn. <laughs> wake up. Wake up. Huh? <laughs> Your line. Uh, line. <laughs> Another example is sometimes actors hear a pause or silence and think oh it must be my line so i jump in but no it might not have been your line that's just another case where you really have to listen yeah i mean listening is always key but i've encountered many performances by some great actors who are able to kind of roll with the punches and recognize okay we just skipped ahead two pages but we just missed a bunch of important stuff so we got to work that in and they yeah they do it pretty well like if you don't know the script you probably wouldn't notice. Right. And that's what we were talking about at the top where the audience is not going to notice most of these errors. As long as you're on top of it and can pick it back up and you get everything important out, most audience members won't notice. Here's another question for you. What yeah. happens if you drop something on the stage? You pick it up. Exactly. Yes. We talked about that briefly in another episode, but yeah, it's, it's all these little things. If you drop something, you pick it up. If somebody sneezes, you can go ahead and say bless you as long as it doesn't affect things and... But most characters are going to say bless you if somebody sneezes. What if they want to say gesundheit? Or that. Or salud. Well, I guess it depends on what nationality they are. <laughs> well, because, and the reason why this is important is it's more distracting to an audience to see something dropped and get ignored. Yeah, they're going to be paying attention to that. Because you're acting unnaturally due to the fact that it wasn't scripted that way. Right. I mean, if, I, I'm sure there are circumstances. There definitely are circumstances in a, in a script where something is intentionally dropped and intentionally left there. So if that's not the case, then the audience is going to be watching that. There's uh, something in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, the last show that I was in, where there's a shoe that gets dropped on the floor and then that shoe comes into play. Is that Mr. Spinalzo's shoe? Yes, Mr. Spinalzo. Um Sorry. Uh, but yes, yeah, so his shoe gets is lying around for a while and people pick it up and hide it and it gets thrown about and it's a running gag. But if something like that... Chekhov shoe. If a shoe is dropped accidentally, you need to pick that shoe up. Absolutely. So what about... Have you ever been in a circumstance where you're on stage or even if you've directed and say somebody's cell phone goes off or somebody starts commenting on the show? Oh, that's a great. that's a great one. I'm going to get into that in the next episode specifically, not some, not due to a cell phone incident, but just audience reactions, because I do have a little anecdote related to that. Okay. But I think for the most part, if I just hear chatter in the audience or a cell phone or things like that going off, I would just try to ignore it and continue. Yeah, I think the best bet with that kind of thing is to tune it out if you at all can. I know there are some, I, I think if you have an actor that is that gifted in improv that can pull it in in character and yell at them for the cell phone or whatever. I think that's great, but you're better off just ignoring it if you can. I mean, especially given the circumstances of the play that you're in, it may make absolutely no sense within the context of yeah. the show to that, come up with a exactly. reasonable reaction to something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's live theater from the perspective of not only can anything happen on stage, but anything can happen in the audience. Yep. Or uh, with the tech. What happens if something goes wrong with the tech and you get a sound cue? The lights don't come on. The yeah, that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the same kind of thing. You ignore it if you can. Or, and I'm, I'm sure I've been guilty of this myself, uh, I miss a sound cue if yeah. I'm the sound operator. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Somebody has to deal with that. Yeah, sometimes the equipment goes wrong and you skip ahead a, a sound cue or something like that. That's happened too. But I mean, you just you can't react to it because it's it's interesting. If you drop something on the stage floor, you pick it up. You have to react to that. But if something goes wrong outside of that world, outside of your stage world, you have to ignore it. Unless you can work it in in some clever way to say, darling, would you forget to pay the electric bill again this month? Yes, that kind of thing. Which the I, audience was, would probably love. Yeah. This actually makes me think back. There was a show at uh, Barley Sheaf where there was a storm during the production and the lights all went out. The power went out in the building. They ended up completing the show with people out in the audience holding flashlights up on stage. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah, that was kind of a treat. I think that was a uh, trailer park musical, something like that. So, well, something like that could happen in trailer park. So that doesn't seem too far fetched. Exactly. It kind of worked. But we'll get into more detail about these uh, specific stories in our next episode because Jim and I have done enough theater that we have plenty of stories of our own to discuss. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah. We'll but be- right now, I'd like to take the opportunity to invite you. If you have any comments, questions, or any other interesting feedback you'd like to share, please feel free to drop us a line at podcast at backstage.link. And you can also visit our website at backstage.link. And there's probably a email link on there, I think. And we're also on Facebook. Yes, just search for The Backstage Show on Facebook. With our classy blue logo with the microphone. Yes. It has the microphone in it. I think it does, yeah. Why did we put a <laughs> microphone in it again? Well, we're talking into microphones, aren't we? We are. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with stage, usually. Well, uh, I suppose not. Oh, well. All right, looks, we need a new logo. Classy. If you have an idea for a new logo, <laughs> you can email us at, at podcast at backstage.link. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, meantime, until next week, I am Glenn. And I am Jim. And see you next time. You always remember who starts. So it's always... uh, It's your turn. Okay. We never get this right on the first try. Have you noticed that? Well, we have to warm up to it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and, and welcome. Uh, you just said I do it. <laughs> Sorry, I screwed up. <laughs> well, I think it's a lot. It, it also depends on... Let me start that. Any special thanks to the world's least dangerous band, as always. <laughs>